I'm Sherry Dunleavy, your inspirationista, host, and a grieving mom. Welcome to the Grief Anonymous podcast. Grief is a journey, and I'm 20 years into mine. No matter where you are in yours, I hope you'll join me as I provide you with information, tools, and experts to help guide you through the darkness of death into the light of living. Help is on the way. Chelsea Hansen is my guest today, and she has written a book called The Sudden Loss Survival Guide, Seven Essential Practices for Healing Grief. And I think that this is a wonderful topic because, you know, death happens in in two ways. Loss happens in two ways. It's either gradual through an illness, a sickness, and there is a journey, or it is sudden and -hmm. there's no preparation at all. I would say that most people who want to die want to die a sudden death. Right. Most people who are left behind would like to have that journey so they could have, say, everything that they wanted to say and tie up kind of some of those loose ends. So thank you very much for joining me. Sure. My pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah. And you bring up a good point about sudden loss. It's so um, different from when someone dies over Mm -hmm. a long term, as you're saying. And what the difference is, the griever, the person who's left behind, they don't go through anticipatory grief. They can't anticipate it, it happens just like this. So they don't have time to prepare. So they're hit with the grieving process immediately. And that sometimes can even make their grief more complicated, meaning they have a harder time working through it because as you say, they didn't have time to say goodbye, there's things that are left, it's left incomplete. Mm-hmm. And plus, yeah, the person who dies, um, they could have those regrets, those unsaid things. Then their kids, family members don't know. So yeah, it really makes it more difficult in an already hard process of losing someone. So did you experience a sudden loss? Yeah, I did. I did. That was, of course, the impetus for the book. Um, When I was small, my father passed away. I was about four years old, and he passed away. This was in the 70s. So my mother was left behind um, to run his business, take care of a little kid, and she didn't really have support. And in the 70s, it wasn't common for women to run businesses. They were more like homemakers. So that was one aspect. So growing up, I kind of saw how she did her grief, which is not what I would recommend, which I can talk about later. But then later, um, when I was 28, my mother died suddenly. My father died of heart attack at a young age. He was only about 40. And then my mom died um, fairly young, too, about 60, which is young. Right. Um, And she died of an ulcer that burst, so totally sudden. And growing up, it's kind of weird. I was under the assumption, well, I lost one parent. There is no way I'm going to lose another. So I kind of had that false security, whether right or wrong. But you know how kids think. So when it happened, I was shocked. And, of course, that's what sudden loss survivors go through, the shock. You can't believe it. And then um, that just led to more – well, I should mention, too – um, I was an only child with no extended um, 
like my grandparents were deceased, <laughs> no brothers or sisters. So my mom was my person. Yeah. So that, you know, contributes to all the grief symptoms as well. And that's kind of where my book came about because after losing my parents, I was pretty much afraid of loss because, you oh. know, I lost both of my parents. And as any griever knows, they're afraid it's going to happen again because you know how painful it is. And mm-hmm. I'm sure you probably have felt like that too, where you are worried about other family members. Does that Oh, happen? my other son. Yeah. After, you know, my son died. And I think that that was probably detrimental to a lot of his upbringing because I was so frantic, sure, of, you know, sure. and I remember like, you know, him being on the playground as a little boy at times and doing things that little boys do climbing. Right, right. And I would say, please don't do that. Please don't do that. I've lost one son. I can't lose another. You know? Right. Right. And when they go so, on field trips. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I saw that, but I understand that false sense of, um, security that maybe you had it's like okay well I've already lost my dad so certainly you know God's not going to take my mom you know Um, and I felt that way too and you know what actually um changed it for me is that you know it was um it was in the news and there was a woman who had um lost her son and then she had gotten brain cancer and then she had died. And I thought, you know what, just because you've had one tragedy in your life doesn't mean that you're immune from any tragedy happening again. Sure. Sure. But you can't live in that space either of that fear of what's going to be taken next. So it's this balance. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of why I wrote my book too because you know i'm sure you've heard the expression we kind of write about what we need to learn or what we have to heal right. so uh, writing the book it took me about seven years because there's a lot of research behind it a lot of methods i put in but by the time i was done i feel like my grief it's heal and everyone has different words you know heal right. recovery so you use whatever word you like about how you're feeling so I really think the book is like almost a manual. And again, that's not the right word because everyone grieves differently, but it's everything I wished I would have known when my loved ones died. Cause I lost my mom in the nineties and we didn't have social media like we have now. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have that support. We were kind of taught, Oh, grief, quiet, do it quietly, do it quickly, privately. Where now everyone talks about it. Well, that's, it seems like that way on social media, but in people's lives, it's probably really not that way because in social media, you find it's those support not, groups. Yeah. Right. In our mm-hmm. lives, it isn't. So, but now people can get some, some support. Hopefully they can find the right group. Um, yeah. And I couldn't find it. So I had to go through this whole process, learn tons of tools. So I think this book, it's like the book I wish I could give everyone when they lose someone because it has a lot of helpful information that I think would make will make people's grieving journey journeys quite not as hard when they have methods to help them so yeah excuse me I thought I had that off yeah I'm very excited about it just and even like with our kids I'm like well now my son will have a book for when his parents aren't here you know to make his process easier hopefully many years from now so 
So what, um, so what are some of the things that you found paramount to the healing? And, and when you say healing, um, and I, I say healing too, because I do feel that it is possible to heal. Mm-hmm. There are other people, I do believe that you will always have that grief as part of your life. Sure, that sense of loss. Right, that sense of loss. But the the grief, the pain is what you can let go of, that when you can start right. remembering right. them without it tearing daggers in your heart. Right, right. And that, I'm so glad you bring that up because that is like the message of my book that healing is possible. You can hold on to the love and you can let go of the grief that will dissipate. And in fact, I'm sure you've experienced it. Your love only grows stronger. Like your love for your son is probably much, much stronger. It keeps growing just as a love for my parents has. And I know when I was new to grief, um, you know, again, I knew nothing. And I would read, oh, you carry grief for the rest of your life. Um, You never get over it. And not knowing anything, I bought into that. I'm like, oh, I just have to live with it. Which, you know, you do learn to live with it. But you can get better. Like you're saying, you can feel the joy. You can feel the love. That grief doesn't have to define you and ruin your life. And I think we get a lot of messages like that, especially on social media. So you as the griever, you have to decide what message you want because there are so many different views. Like some experts or well-known people will say, well, you carry the grief for the rest of your life. I don't agree with that. I don't that, that hasn't been my experience because everyone's experience is different. And plus, for example, for both of us, we're much farther out in our grief. Mm-hmm. Like I'm over 20 years. So our perspectives are much different than someone who's at maybe the three-year mark or even the 10-year mark. Because I know I didn't really start to get better for me until the 10 year mark because I had some interesting experiences happen then and I'm like wow this is different because well for me I was expecting my son and um I was feeling kind of bad because I was so happy you know I'm expecting Mm -hmm. super happy and I had a miscarriage before I had my son but this time was a little different and it was funny I met with a practitioner to help me with hypnobirthing because I was very afraid of labor because of the pain. And so she helped me, but she also was a um, intuitive or a psychic. So she had connected me with my parents and I had not expected it because I was going to her for hypnobirthing. Mm -hmm. So that opened a whole new world for me that, oh, the love does continue. They're in another place you can still have a relationship just in a different way, you know, based on love, spirit, memory. So that opened a whole, like I said, a whole new world for me. So I'm like, oh, the relationship doesn't have to end. Oh, the love doesn't have to end. So those thoughts brought me so much more peace Mm -hmm. than the pain. So that's what I would like grievers to know too. And you alluded to that, how our thoughts shape our reality. So it's what you're feeding yourself. So you can think about good things about your loved ones, the thoughts that bring you love and peace and stay a little way, stay away from the fear-based thoughts. But for me, the turning point was like, oh, the relationship continues. Oh, the lights went on. 
so that was at the 10 year mark. So that's a pretty long time to be sitting in grief. Right. So, and that's what I'm hoping to help other people do to lessen that experience. It doesn't have to be as bad when you have the proper support, knowledge, understanding, methods to help you. So what, can you share a couple from, from your sure, book that sure. have helped you? Yeah. And one of them, I think, um, that I do early in the book is just what your definition of healing is. Cause at the three year mark, it's going to be different than mm -hmm. the six month mark. So for my definition of healing, it's to remember my parents with love and joy and not to disparage the time we didn't have. That's part of it. Another lady's, for example, is to remember her son with love, knowing more joy will come. So it's kind of like you define, yes, I want to heal. Set the intention to heal is the first step. And then describe what healing is like to you. But then that definition will morph and change because as time goes on, it'll get different as you get stronger and get better. Right. And also I encourage people to do active grieving, active mourning, to do different methods to help them grieve so it doesn't sit with you, like to express it. So one of the things I recommend that people do every day is just spend 10 to 15 minutes in a little healing sanctuary or a little safe place in your house, kind of define an area that you'd like where you can go into and just sit with those feelings to help yourself express them. In those 10 to 15 minutes, you can pray, you can journal, you can talk to your loved one, just to help you get those emotions in motion, to get those feelings moving, to help them express them out of your body. And I think we are taught at least I was, and I think culture still does a good job of this Western society to stuff our feelings. Um, we end up numbing ourselves. We pretend everything's okay when it really isn't. So if you don't have the support around you by going to this healing sanctuary, your little safe place away from the world, you can start letting some of that out. So I think that's key because um, I think so many of us don't learn how to express our emotions and release them. So um, we don't feel comfortable with it either. And one right. of the things I want to go back to saying is that, you know, um, I think it's important for grievers to know this because I wrote a book on how to support grievers. I right. wrote the book yeah. that I wish all my friends had right. that's to help awesome. support me. Right? Yeah, that's awesome. And, um, and so one of the things that I want grievers to know is that it's your responsibility for your healing. Sure. Your friends and family are there to support you, but they can't heal you. Their right, love and support right. can help and lift you up and carry you through as you do the work and make mm -hmm. the decision to heal. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, because so many people put their, their hope, happiness and healing in the hands of someone else. And then they're terribly let down. My right. friends just tell me they don't want to hear about it anymore. Well, you can sure. still get your feelings out without, you know, but, but a lot of times they, you know, if you've gone on for three or four or five years and you're still telling the same story, that's when your friends are going to tell you this. Sure. Right? Sure. They're not going to tell you, you know, three months, six months, or they shouldn't be. That's what I try to educate people. Right. You have right. to make the decision. I, I, I want to feel better. Right. You're setting that intention to right, heal. Right. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and then I think another thing grievers don't understand is, at least I didn't, was um, the grief. You think it'll just naturally go away with yeah. time, and it doesn't because you would refer to the hard work of grieving or the, the work of grieving. So work, grief is work. You have to do the hard, active work of grieving using proactive practices to guide yourself to express your feelings, to start feeling better. So yeah, to me, it's like the hardest work you'll ever go through. But if you can get through it, then you're going to have a life of meaning, joy. You're going to be more compassionate than mm -hmm. before. You're going to be more braver. I mean, you're just because you're cracked open, you have the opportunity right. to become more of what your soul wants. Right, right. Um, yeah, and, and and don't we wish that we could learn these lessons without this process, right? Right, right. I would agree, absolutely, <laughs> darn it, what's with that, yeah, yeah, right, and it, it doesn't have to be death, right, it can be any illness, we have divorce, whatever, job loss, um, right. tragedies or things that upset our lives lead to this growth. Right. Absolutely. And it's how, how we handle it, how we choose, you know, it starts with a choice. It's like you said, an intention. Right. You right. know, I, 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 I get so sad when I hear people say, I'll never be happy again. I'll always right. be sad. And I keep thinking you will, you will, right. because that's the yeah. intention that you've set, right. you know, that you right. will never be happy again. And, you know, I, in my background as a, a television news anchor, I, I, I remember so vividly um, doing a story on a flood in our community and a woman's daughter was swept away in the flood. Oh, and oh. she, and so for days, you know, she, she waited and waited and waited until they finally recovered her daughter's body. And we became, you know, um, acquainted and I would say kind of close. Um, in that grief and uh, in the years that followed, um, she never recovered. Oh, sure. She, she sure. never recovered. And sure. they ended up finding her, um, her body at the place where they pulled her daughter's body oh, out of the no. river. Oh, that's and so horrible. it was, it was horrible. It was just horrible. And when I lost my son, I just made a vow that I, I, I couldn't be that. I did not want to be that. And I, I made that decision too, because I had a three-year-old at home. Right. You have and another I, son. Yeah. Right. And I did not want his only earliest memories of his mother to be that of always sad. That sure. There was nothing sure. I could do as a babe, as a young boy to ever bring joy to my mom because she was so sad about the loss mm -hmm. of my brother. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't, I just didn't want that to be. So sure. I made a choice early, early on. That was know? smart. That was but it's awesome. never too late to make a choice. Right, right, right. And plus, it's like you have to keep reaffirming that choice. Like every day you can tell yourself, I am healing, I am healing, I am healing, or whatever intention you have. Or, you know, if you walk by your light a candle and every time you walk by it say i am healing whatever the intention mm -hmm. is just to remind yourself because you will have to keep um well some people will have to keep redeclaring that intention because it's pretty tough 
Oh, and because oh, no. it'll drop out and you might have to re you might have to redeclare that 15 times in one day. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's easy, I think, for me to say, oh, you know, just declare an intention, make the decision. But yeah, you're going to have to keep doing it. So I would imagine that one of the things that people deal with with sudden loss is the feeling of those things you wish you could have said, those unresolved sure. conversations, those sure. unresolved feelings. How do you help people? And what, what's your recommendation on how to help people who survive? Sure, sure. Yeah, and two different things there. Um, one section in my book, it's, it's called Healing Practice. It's number six, actually. Mm -hmm. And it's called Reassurance. So one thing you can do as a survivor is to reassure the people you love who are in your life now of your messages of unending love, whatever you want to tell them. You're giving them peace for when you're gone. Here are my messages. You're leaving nothing unsaid. Mm -hmm. So, and I think we've learned that lesson when you lose someone, you express those feelings now because you don't know when something could happen. And the other thing, if you didn't get to talk to your person who died, you know, as the person left behind, you can talk to them now. You can write a letter. You can talk to their picture. You can talk to them every day. You can say those messages because, you know, whatever you needed to say. And if you needed to hear things from them that you didn't, you can imagine what they would tell you. So you can still have that communication. And even though I'm saying the words imagine, I think deep down we know what the messages are that the people would want for us. And I do believe in spiritual connection. So I think you can tap into that. So you can get those messages out and you can imagine what you think they'd want you to know. So you don't have that regret. So you can um, let go of things you need to. So, and I, I do walk people through that process. It's always amazing. Um, the relief <laughs> they feel, you know, yeah. so. And sometimes it's like you have to, you have to write your own permission slip. <laughs> yeah. Right. For sure. Yeah, that permission to grieve, the permission to express your feelings, the permission to ignore societal expectations of how grief should be done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we know deep down inside what will help us. So if we can just break through that conditioning, yeah, and give ourselves permission to express what's in our heart. Definitely. Yeah, so one of the things that I try to do in my work is to um, educate educators, teachers, um, uh, managers, um, you know, um, just, just people even in the corporate world of how right. to help people that are grieving, you know, because it's so uncomfortable to talk about. So how to become more comfortable with these uncomfortable right. conversations right. so that we can connect with each other because connection is what it's all about. Right. And, um, so many people don't want to tread there. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, when we, what, more and more people, the good news is more and more people are talking about grief. Yes. The bad news is, is not nearly enough are. Right, right. And, and I think that as grievers, we need to, we, we need to let people know what we need. Right, right. You know, because some people might want everyone to hover around their desk and some people might just want to come back to work because it's so sad at home that they just want to get back to a normal life. But, sure. you know, so I think it's our, our, our responsibility to, to bring up their name, 
you know, right. so other people right. feel comfortable with exactly. it. And, 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 and I know that there's a lot of people saying, why should I have to worry about other people's feelings? Well, if you want that support, you've got to, you've got to give them a cue of how to best support you. Right. You have to educate them because they haven't been through it. So just like if you hadn't been through cancer, I, since I haven't been through cancer, I wouldn't quite be sure how to support a person in cancer. But I still talk about it. You know, I ask them how they're doing. Um, I'm thinking about you. All the same things that you would do to a griever. You acknowledge the situation. You're not silent about it. Because it, when you're silent, that can be viewed as uncaring. When that's not really the person's intent, they just don't know what to say. So I think it's always better to say something. And then you as the griever can do that education. Like, yeah, please talk about my loved one yeah, tell me a story, you know, whatever. So yeah, sharing a story, I think is one of the greatest gifts that you can give because that shows how that loved one meant something to someone else and their mark in the world on other people, not just in your life, not just from your perspective. So I love, I really encourage people to share stories with, with the people who are grieving. So your book is amazing absolutely amazing and thank you for putting it out uh to help us all heal how can people get a copy sure sure very easy it's the sudden loss survival guide it's on amazon it's on barnes and noble kindle apple books so really you can get it anywhere and it comes out may 19th but yeah the sudden loss survival guide and um i think it's a great gift for anyone who is going through loss because it kind of gives them that how-to guide really how to set the foundation for healing to get them right up, get them off on the right foot so they don't get stuck in in grief and they don't ever heal or recover. Like the instance you've talked of the lady with the flood, you know, that's what we don't want. So. Right. Right. Well, Chelsea, Chelsea Hanson, thank you very much for joining us today. My pleasure. I'm Sherry Dunlevy, and you've been listening to the Grief Anonymous podcast. For more information on today's guest, the Grief Anonymous program, or the Grief Resource Network, go to griefanonymous.com or griefresourcenetwork.com. For more information on my book, workshops, or talks, go to sherrydunlevy.com. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thanks for listening.